My alone feels so good, I only have you if you're sweeter than my solitude. Warson Shire. Welcome to Her Own Words, a Dear Damsels podcast. We're Abby and Brady, the team behind Dear Damsels, and this podcast is part of our overall mission to provide a platform for women's voices, which is what we've been doing online and in print for the past four years. We want to share the stories of women in their own words. In this episode, we'll be taking a deep dive into our first theme of 2020, talking about new strands of our collective, as well as lightly touching upon the strange situation we all find ourselves in right now, as well as the writing and the art we're finding ourselves turning to at this time. So, Bridie, you opened the episode with a quote by Wars and Shire. Why did you pick this one? Well, I'm sure anyone who was on my very specific corner of Tumblr in 2011 will recognise this quote because it was reblogged countless times. Um, it's from Somali British poet Warson Shire's poem, Solitude. Um, and as we were talking about before we started recording the podcast, she is the poet who did the poetry that's in Beyonce's Lemonade. So she went really, really quite far from Tumblr in 2011. Um, I picked it because I think it's quite relevant to how a lot of us find ourselves now. Um, not necessarily alone, but definitely in solitude, sort of being with ourselves and coming to terms with time by ourselves and occupying our space in a different way. I think that the quote implies that solitude and loneliness is something that she's at peace with um, and it's something that she definitely relishes, which I think is quite a good perspective to talk about right now. Um, a lot of people are trying to find ways to occupy, you know, the loneliness or occupy the time by themselves and sort of being able to be comfortable with that is quite a challenge. And I think it'd be quite good for someone, maybe me, to come out on the other side of lockdown with a perspective of being quite comfortable with being by myself. Although if I will, it really remains to be seen um, because lockdown is hard, guys. Very hard. That's interesting because I feel like I've been thinking a lot about space, like the idea of space for quite a while, both the idea of physical space and with everything, you know, all of the self-isolation happening right now, the distance between us. But I was, I was, I think I started writing a piece about being in Australia and the idea of existing in like a big wide open space as well. So versus like, I know all my friends in London being in, in small spaces. So yeah, it was, I really like the idea of being in your own space, that being the kind of baseline and always being able to come back to that. It feels like, yeah, like you were saying, an important thing to develop. Yeah. I mean, you're not necessarily in a small space now, Abby, because you are back in London. Um, but Well, you're back in the UK, but you're not back in London, basically. Yeah, sadly, made the decision to come back from Australia. So lots has changed, I feel like, since we last spoke in a podcast format. And so, yeah, whereas before I wasn't supposed to be in the UK, we were supposed to have the Tate event in March. Now... I could have been here for the Tate event because I ended up coming home early, but the Tate event didn't go ahead. So how quickly things have all changed around? Yeah, it's very, it feels very strange when I was starting to put this episode together, just looking back at what we discussed a couple of months ago. I was like, wow, there's no way that we would have known <laughs> what would happen in a couple of months and the plans that we've been making and seeing how they sort of unfold but one thing that I think is really interesting is how a lot of the work that we were doing and are still doing feels quite relevant to the current situation of continuing to provide like a platform and to sort of encourage creative thinking and writing and we'll talk about that as we go on the episode but it has definitely made me feel like I'm really happy 
continuing to work on DD in this way and knowing that it can help with those moments of isolation, you know, connecting people through writing and things like that has been really good to see happening on Twitter and Instagram at this time, I would say. That's so true. Yeah, I think I definitely feel lucky to be an introvert right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just mean you are, you love being by yourself, Ads. I mean, I've been struggling and I'm living in the house with two people. So <laughs> shall we dive in to the rest of the podcast? Yes, let's. So we like to kick off the podcast by talking about the writing that we've recently shared on Dear Damsels. And usually this means discussing a few of our recent themes. But since we last spoke, um, we've slightly changed our submissions process. So instead of sending out monthly letters and asking for your words, we've been opening up a new theme every other month. The thinking behind that was that it would give you guys more time to write and us more time to read to kind of better all round. And then for this podcast, it means also that we can just like get really stuck into one theme, <laughs> like go deep rather than talking about like a variety of subjects. So the writing that we have been sharing over February and March was on the theme of open. And I guess the idea uh, behind that, what we wanted to start thinking about as we picked our first theme of the year and the first theme of the whole decade was that we wanted to kind of stand at the at the start of a new year and look out upon the horizon, the wide open horizon and have a really open theme to generate <laughs> lots of different responses. Uh, and, and we ended up with some really thoughtful writing that actually ended up feeling quite poignant towards the end of March when the pandemic became more and more of a reality. So we ended up talking, I mean, as always, lots of different interpretations of the theme, but one thing that struck us was the idea of, and I think maybe one of the main ideas behind our letter was that idea of being open to different possibilities, to change, and the idea of accepting what kind of comes your way yeah there were definitely quite a few pieces that talked about accepting a change to your reality or a change to your present moment and or being willing to change that moment a lot of discussions about acceptance and agency which we really enjoyed there were a couple of poems that as we said um, really felt quite poignant to the way that the world is at this time there's Amanda Cusack's poem Awake uh, where she talks about enjoying taking it slow there's a line in it that says I want to lose more days with thick age book pages between two fingers, which is definitely relevant to how many of us are trying to pass our days now and to try and lose them. We had a great poem from Joe Fisher, who always writes really beautifully in a really succinct way and that really, really stays with us. Her poem, how do I say that word? Anemone, would we say? Abby, and, oh yeah, okay. So I thought this would be an interesting one. Anemone? <laughs> Anemone. Anemone for that inspiration. I should really put some phonetic spelling. Let me hear it. <laughs> okay, Anemone. Um, in her poem, Anemone, she conveys the idea of opening yourself up to the world again with some really, really beautiful imagery. There's a line which reads, Today I unfurl and bloom, allowing the feelings to flood back over. And it's just really a beautiful way of thinking about being ready for change and giving yourself back up to the possibility of something affecting your life or being open again to emotion, being open to new possibilities. Really nice things to approach the new year with. There was another poem that had a similar message called Jersey Shore Sound by Kay Allen, which really inventively uses the imagery of hearts to be moulded. 
sort of that idea that you're a changed person and you have a different outlook and accepting this new mold or accepting the new way that your heart is and being ready to move forward. There's a passage in it that I'd quite like to read because I think it's really beautiful. It has a really great rhythm. I knee my heart into different shapes and hope that one of them holds. My heart as a metronome, my heart as a horseshoe crab, my heart as revenant. I will drink this coffee until it wakes my rotting bones. I want to burn my souls in the summer sand, let the sun freckle my face. I want to be my own ocean. And that idea of like, I hope oh. the shape holds, oh, it's so, so nice. That sort of hoping and allowing yourself to hope again after being her, after having to start over, after having to remold your heart, that optimism and accepting of the past and looking forward to the future is really lovely. And I think she conveys it in such a beautiful way. Yeah, I love that poem, especially because of the Bruce Springsteen reference. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pick that the pull out quote, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, so the end is the end quote where she ends with the lines, you know how the song goes, maybe everything that dies someday comes back. And like, I just, I listened, I, I remember scheduling this and like putting that song on and really loving it. But I love the idea of, um, like the idea of a reawakening, but then also of taking, it's like taking the rough with the smooth and being open to both, like, it's not linear like you don't go through a rough patch and then a smooth patch follows like it's always sort of happening at the same time and that kind of idea of burning your souls on the summer sand letting the sun freckle my face I want to be my own ocean I love that it's like painful imagery as well as nice imagery Mm -hmm. like comforting and I that sort of made me think back to Joe Fisher's poem An Enemy (laughs) because I love the like salty sea image imagery of that one I I couldn't really work out why I liked what it was about it but I think thinking about it more it's like the sea is so that idea of being kind of tossed about on the sea like the roughness of the sea and that when this like an enemy opens itself up it has to be opening itself up to kind of rough periods and not only like good and bad things that idea of being open to everything and that vulnerability yeah when you're saying that I keep thinking like why do we like the salty imagery and it's like you know putting salt in the wound like you have the tartness of Mm -hmm. like all of that you know it's coming especially if you're you know in water but in life you know you're going to get the rough and being willing to still keep going and still being open despite the fact that you know this is going to happen to you that's definitely there in imagery through throughout these poems which is really really beautiful I think yeah that's so true and I'm like sorry to bring it all the way back to the very first poem you mentioned which is probably hard for everybody to remember but the um <laughs> going back to the Amanda Kuzek poem and that idea of I want to lose more days with thick h but pages between two fingers so losing days and losing people I just found it really interesting way of putting it because I again it's that idea of a, a sad thing of like losing days and losing people the sense of loss but then the way she writes it's about choosing the way you want to do it like losing days in good ways so I just really like that idea of being open to like sadness but you have you just have to accept it all in one go right of different emotions that are always happening all at the same time mm, yeah <laughs> so I've gone into it there yeah, fine we love that we love that <laughs> another theme that we saw playing out in the pieces that were submitted was the idea of having an open relationship with your body and also your sexuality these are obviously really personal things to people so seeing people be so open with us to talk about certain parts of their lives was really really inspiring 
And there were a couple of pieces that really cleverly interplayed your own personal understanding of your body and your sexuality with the way that you want it to be. Mm, yeah, and I I had not thought about the idea of open suggesting to someone the idea of open relationships um but it makes so much sense and one piece that we got through that directly spoke about open open relationships was called freedom by Corey robinson and this was a story of a woman's exploration of her her sexuality and which led her to reflect on her her own identity so in it the protagonist meets a man called hans (laughs) is good meeting a man called Hans Um, and so it starts off with the traditional idea of them dating and then she and then he sorry introduces her to the idea of an open relationship so polyamory and then the kind of the rest of the essay um, sorry it's not essay it is short it's a short story so the rest is kind of vignettes of the different encounters Mm. that follow as she explores this idea that she was initially hesitant about but then I really love that all these kind of vignettes of the different people she meets and the different kind of relationships she pursues are all really positive Mm. I've got a quote I shall okay first I'll read a quote because I am not explaining it well (laughs) here we go so she says it was true the term she'd heard mentioned polyamory a way of life open relationships was that what this was she tried to shake off the feeling of being wrapped up in Hans the silky cashmere comfort of him. She wrapped her arms around herself and wondered what it would be like to want more than one person at a time. Like finding parts of herself in others, she hoped, the parts she most admired. Instead of knotting up her heart, she decided she would unclench it, wedge it open. I mean, already the end sentence sounds so similar to that anemone mm. image from Joe Fisher. But yeah, I loved how she, from there... So just like the she sort of stands too close to a guy on the tube and they kind of have like a moment. And then it fast forwards to her looking in the mirror and kind of seeing an older version of herself and the way the different versions of this older version of herself she could be. And yeah, I just really like that idea of the the suggestion that's been made to her being like a pivot point where she can just sort of go off in a different, down a different path if she... Um, if she chose to accept this different idea, this kind of going off the railroad of accepted behavior kind of idea. I just, yeah, I really loved it. What did you think? Yeah. When you, yeah, I really, really agree with you about how it was, it was really refreshing to get this piece submitted, but also the way that it definitely takes ownership. It isn't necessarily about a relationship aside from the relationship of the main character and herself and her sexuality. The bit that you reference about the end when she's seeing like all the different versions that she could be. So, you know, she's like the seductress or be in a Midwestern marriage or she's goes, she's like an old woman in Berkeley in San Francisco with like beaded necklaces and scarves or she's been divorced and practicing yoga. Like all of those parts of herself sort of realizing that there's so many different options and so many different futures for her. Making one decision doesn't necessarily mean that she will definitely be one or the other. Um, mm. And like at the end when she sort of, yeah, I, I, I found it really interesting as well how with, with Hans, a great name that does remind me of a Disney character, annoyingly. So when I read this, I was like, hmm, Hans from Frozen, but that's not at all who this person is. It seems like he's giving her the idea to do this. 
but she's picked it up and has made it her own. Like she is making this a part of her personality in a different way and a part of her sexuality and doing it for herself, not necessarily for her partner, which is really nice to see, I would say, definitely. Yeah, no, I loved it. Another piece that we got that uh, explored the ideas of, yeah, being open in terms of your body and your sexuality was yellow and green purple and blue by stephanie patient and so this was a creative non-fiction piece about stephanie's past as a submissive and how she realigned her understanding of her self-worth through reflecting on the bruises and the marks that this kind of work left her with so you pulled this out as we were kind of recapping on this month and i had forgotten how beautiful it is just in terms of bruises the way she describes bruises and um yeah just the way they like sort of blossom and bloom and I know that sounds really uncomfortable to talk about but the way she does it is is beautifully done and it moves on from talking you know she's she's reflecting on a part of her life and it moves from talking about that part of her life when she was doing this kind of work to the bruises that she is now collecting herself from just everyday life bumping you know into things yeah, the way that she talks about those bruises really juxtaposed with how she considered bruises from the ones before, sort of the pain as a submissive and how she's now trying to overcome those memories, but not necessarily wants to. She feels a bit conflicted. Um, there's a quote that I'll read, which is a bit long, but I really think it's absolutely beautiful. It goes into the imagery that Abs talks about, about how the bruises of just sort of bloom and blossom and take on life of their own, really. Now I collect bruises more clumsily, scattered and haphazard. Little plum kisses on my legs where a bag bounced against my thighs. Sharp drew splashes on my forearms and elbows where I knocked against a wall. I gather these adornments before and even during my dungeon years, of course. Everyone bruises sometimes, but they feel different this time around. I hoard them, stockpile them. They remind me of a time I miss so dearly. It feels like a twist of my heart muscle, a slow drip of blue-black blood, a bruise even I can't see. So even if this specific example of, you know, working as submissive isn't universal, the emotion in this piece definitely is, you know, you're trying to move forward from something and you need to be willing to do that and you need to embrace the parts of you that you feel conflicted about. I think she really manages to balance those difficult emotions through a really interesting central image of all the bruises that she's had. Um, I think it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's it's poetic but like doesn't romanticize it mm. it's, it's just really nice um yeah so from one sort of end of the spectrum to the other the the other part of open that we have been discussing is the idea of openness in terms of landscape and place so I guess the idea of wide open spaces being out in the open air that kind of thing which feels maybe like one of the first things that jumps into your mind when you talk about the idea of open and um, sorry is, is it making <laughs> I heard you do a kind of was it a laugh or was it a song no I it was a I it was a sorry, sorry me and Abby are recording this over the internet because I sadly can't see her because of the self-isolation social distancing but we do have a drink so what just happened there is Abby mentioned wide open spaces and I clutched my gin to my chest and sighed I didn't even realize I was doing it so that's great that it was caught up on the audio there um oh caught that moment caught that moment of pure emotion but I do think these this is what we were talking about earlier like these pieces felt really important because people were sort of reconsidering their relationship to nature and reconsidering the way that they occupy those spaces and the way that they engage with the outside world 
So there was a piece by Ruth McLean-Jones called Wilderness, where this character travels to Scotland and she really throws herself into the wild, which was absolutely beautiful. Whereas also, conversely, we had a piece by Ros Weaver called Standing Ticket. Abs, I don't know if you want to talk about that one, because I do think that is relevant in another sense to where we find ourselves now. Yeah, it's so interesting because it was written before everything happened. So the the poem is about being at home and kind of the idea that you can be at home and that's the one place you want to be and how you can be perfectly happy being in that one space. And it's kind of meditative, that idea of finding contentment in the place that you are. So I'm going to read the poem as, again, always a better way than me describing <laughs> it. It becomes part of a spiritual practice to take one's shoes off, leave life's dirt at the door and find grounding for the body through soles of the feet, meeting cold, hard floor. The glue that binds us to the present, whilst infinity shows up to greet my soul, the source of the indeterminate. It's a universal concert, and I've got a standing ticket, the place I go to be everywhere at once, by going nowhere at all. When we published that, it was just when, in the UK, social distancing and self-isolation was just becoming yeah. informed. I feel like it was just after um, the Prime Minister announced uh, the lockdown so people work from home and I remember being, being like we're gonna this poem is so relevant it felt really strange um, as everyone was sort of considering a life being you know going nowhere at all to have this poem by Roz who really takes the idea and expands it she's like no there's so much here there's so much warmth here there's so much more here than you believe just because your door shut doesn't mean that your world is um I thought it was yeah beautiful. yeah sorry to talk over you no, it's yeah fine. like I yeah like there's there's obviously this kind of meditative aspect of it and there's kind of like the yoga spiritual spiritual side of things of being able to think of being at home in a different way like being content with what you have but then there's also something so practical about that as well like you've just that it comes back to that idea of acceptance, I guess. Uh, and also the idea that we talked about right at the start, where you brought in that quote about being happy with your own solitude. Like you've got to you've got to approach it in a different way. And like once you can be happy with being in one place and being with yourself, that's a good place to start. Sorry, I keep getting really philosophical. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> no, I'm enjoying it. I feel like there's any time with philosophical thoughts abs, it is right now. Like this time in history is when I want to hear all your philosophical thoughts fueled by fire. <laughs> yeah. That is what I want. <laughs> I'll send you a follow-up to this episode in writing. Exactly. About... <laughs> I would like a three-hour voice note. So that takes us on to Dearest Damsels, which is the section of the podcast where we hear from women who are running inspiring creative projects. This week, we're speaking to Maria Moore, creator of Dear Movie Zine. Dear Movies is a collection of love letters to cinema, and it's about the films that mean a lot to the writers, regardless of reviews. The most recent issue is about friendship, a topic very close to our hearts, as anyone who has read Let Me Know When You're Home will know. Due to the current situation with coronavirus and pandemic, Maria is offering a digital copy of the zine on a pay-what-you-can basis. 50% of the profits are going to women's aid. Here's Maria to tell us a bit more. I'm Maria and I make Dear Movies. Um, it's a usually printed zine about films and feelings, celebrating personal responses and love letters to cinema. I started the project in 2017 and since then I've published five issues and featured the work of over 70 contributors, um, writers and artists from all over the world. 
The project started um, because I always had this idea in the back of my head that I would like to make a film magazine um, and I just couldn't figure out how it would happen because I, so I studied film at university and I was just so put off film journalism in that time. Um, it felt really prescriptive and inaccessible to me. I just, I couldn't see a way of fitting into that world. And yet there was still this sort of desire I had to write about film and to read other people's writing about film. In 2017, I sent a few emails to some friends and it all came together. Um, it was never really a question for me that it would be in the format of a printed zine. It kind of just suits the nature of the project. Each issue has personal and intimate pieces and I think print just suits that better than anything digital could and there's also this idea of permanence um, and having something physical like I like the idea that out there somewhere someone is sharing dear movies with their friends and like passing issues around <laughs> like friends have always been kind of at the heart of it I've always wanted it to feel like when you're reading it to feel like you're having a chat with a friend about a film they love. Like, I like the idea that out there somewhere someone is sharing dear movies with their friends and like passing issues around. <laughs> having said that, the latest issue is currently only digital um, so I had to sort of adapt to the changing circumstances of creating work in a lockdown. Issue 5 is on the theme of friendship. That theme, like, I had this idea months ago, way before any of this started, but now it feels so relevant. The issue, um, it contains 21 contributors' work, so that's writing and illustration, and the pieces are about long-distance friendship, also about finding a feeling of connection by watching a film, especially if that connection is maybe lacking in your real life. Uh, whether it's temporarily or whatever and that all just feels very apt right now so it still felt important to me to continue with the issue but I changed course and it is just a digital download it is quite different having it as a digital is issue but I think it was I mean it was right choice uh, financially personally at the moment and it also means for the first time I'm able to support the charity so I'll be donating 50% of profits to Solace Women's Aid like that's something I've always kind of wanted to do, but this is the first opportunity I've had to actually uh, be able to raise the money. The rest of the profits uh, will go towards uh, printing a limited run when things calm down. As I said, it's like always been a print publication. That's very important to me. And it's also important that contributors get a copy that they can hold in their hands. Uh, so I will be doing that. I'm not sure when it will happen, but it will happen. It's really hard to pick a favourite um, piece. Like, I love every piece that I've published. Um, it feels a real privilege when the submissions come in, and especially when they're, like, often they're quite personal, or often they are by people who haven't shared their work in public before. And that is, like, a joy when I read that in an email and then I read the piece and it's like amazing. And that's kind of something I've always wanted to do with it is that it's for anyone who loves film. You don't have to be a writer to write for it. You just have to have a love of film and like obviously some interest in putting that down on paper. I also really love having writers and artists come back sort of issue after issue. I've got a few regular contributors now and that is so lovely to see and obviously readers as well who come back 
and by every new issue yeah it really feels like we're creating this little sort of community of i don't know sensitive film nerds um, kind of i guess the whole point of it is bringing people together for anyone who's sort of thinking about doing something similar um i would say just do it it sounds like a cliche but you don't need permission to start it if you've got an idea just go for it like there will be someone out there who has the same sort of unique niche passion that you have whatever it is i would really recommend reaching out to people you know who share similar interests um, and then build on that i wouldn't have been able to do it without like several friends at the beginning who i emailed and said mm, would you please write something also this if you are thinking about doing a print magazine it can be expensive and it can sometimes feel like why am i doing this but it's just worth it when you have something in your hands that you made and it's worth it when you connect with people who say hey i love your magazine or people who write for it and it is definitely worth it so just do it Thank you so much to Maria. We can confirm that the zine is packed with beautiful writing about cinema. You can get your copy at dearmoviezine.co.uk. Over the past year, Dear Damsels has been growing, both in terms of output... Oh, hello, two publications at the end of 2019. ...and ambitions. As you know, Team DD is just us two. We do this because we are passionate about providing a space for women's stories to be told and heard. But it's not self-sustaining, and this platform and the collective takes a huge amount of energy to keep running. That's always been the case, but we reached a point last year when we looked at each other and said, this is too much, isn't it? DD has always been fitted around jobs and friends and family, but it was threatening to eclipse all of that. We knew we needed to find a new way of approaching DD so that it didn't rely entirely on our free time and our personal funds. So we decided to set up a Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that allows users to support creative projects through monthly pledges. It's not a subscription and we won't be setting up a paywall. Everything we already do in Dear Damsels will remain open for everyone and anyone to access. If you decide to become a member, you'll be helping us to both improve our current offering for women writers and provide us with a springboard for future DD projects and opportunities. There are three different kinds of membership and we thought really carefully about what we can and can't offer as rewards. So the rewards we are offering are designed to make sure that all our energy is still being channeled into what really matters, which is finding a way to support and champion women writers. They include extra writing prompts, extra reading recommendations and priority feedback on anything submitted for our themes. You can find out more information on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Dear Damsels, or on our website where we have a blog as well with more information and some frequently asked questions. We'd also love to hear about any patrons you might be a part of, either supporting or running yourselves, and we're always happy to give a shout out to a creative project. So normally this is a part of the podcast when we talk about everything that we've been seeing and sharing online and offline. At the moment, when talking about those kinds of things, it's, it's impossible not to talk about the impact of coronavirus. So many of us are at home dealing with a new way of life, possibly facing a wide stretch of unoccupied time and an ever-changing, unstable world. But in the most challenging times, writing and art is always there for us. So we wanted to talk about the things that we're turning to and taking comfort in during this strange time. I think a lot of people have been struggling with novels, long reads, and which is funny because I remember at the start of self-isolation, that was 
The Guardian published a piece about the fact that people were buying these really big, long books, the kind of bucket list books mm-hmm. had seen a spike in sales. So like a little life and everything. But actually, I think the reality is that sitting down for a long stretch of time and reading a really long piece of writing is just not something most people have the attention span for right now. And I've definitely found that short stories, essays and poetry, I'm finding that so much easier to pick up something where there's so much less pressure and you can kind of pick something up and either take away something really lighthearted or take away something really meaningful. And yeah, so I've been really enjoying that. And uh, yeah, the idea that you can you can mix and match with what you're feeling right now. Like I, d- I don't know about you, Bri, but I have been on a m- an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> oh, true. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like finding something that suits your mood, rather than having to return to the to a long novel. I mean, I hope we will come back to novels as a book editor. That's not <laughs> novels out the window. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, like I've been picking up. Uh, I've been picking up a lot of uh, short stories and especially have discovered poetry. Really, really enjoying I mean, that more than I usually do. When Abby says discovered poetry, she obviously isn't meaning this is her first time reading poetry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've been to do damsels like poets. Um, have you heard about poetry before? It's actually really good. No, obviously. Um, I love poetry. I also, as a writer, which is a weird thing to say on this podcast. But as a writer, um, I usually respond to things around me by writing poems uh, for the reasons that I'm also telling them this time. They're shorter, they're really instant with the impact and the emotions. It's really easy to find a poem that reflects how you're feeling at that time. And it's really easy for you to try and convey your emotions into a set structure. I am finding it very hard to write at the moment, so I'm reading a lot more poetry. And specifically, one of the poets who I keep going back to is Mary Oliver. I'm sure loads of you know who Mary Oliver is. Um, she sadly died early last year and is an American poet. She might have been poet laureate, but don't quote me on that because I haven't got Google open. Um, she writes a lot of natural-based reflective poetry with a really like quiet but meaningful impact. I'm sure a lot of you know her poem, Wild Geese. Um, it's something that I keep telling to a lot at the moment. I actually sent my grandma an email as she's now trying to email. And the only way I can communicate how I'm feeling is through poetry that other people have written. Very rare for me. But I'm just going to read you Mary Oliver's Wild Geese, just in case you haven't heard it before. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for 100 miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I'll tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. Calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting over and over announcing your place in the family of things ah <laughs> so lovely Bye. I really like and it's something that we've been talking about a lot so far in this podcast the idea of the world offering itself to your imagination its space and it's your place where you are and the idea that this moment in time is something that you can be accepting of and you can see where it will take you and what you could produce or what you could just experience from this very strange unprecedented time um I think it's really beautiful and I think that's why the poem's resonating with me so much um I don't for Abby you hadn't heard of it had you until I shared it with you the other day 
No, it's like there's so many things on the list of like <laughs> things you would not if somebody mentioned it in a meeting, you would nod and say you had read. <laughs> but um no, that's when you sent it to me on WhatsApp was the first time I'd read it. And I I mean, this is gonna sound silly, but I really am a big fan of geese. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I <laughs> It brings me a lot of like peace and joy to think about ducks and geese and the you know when you see them flying it's something I really enjoy I know it sounds ridiculous but it's true and so yeah no I enjoyed that for many reasons not least the geese um, not least so <laughs> so in terms of me discovering poetry the first time so I will say a poem that I posted on my Instagram was well that a lot of people have been posting much like the Mary Oliver stuff is um Oranges by Wendy Cope um won't read it in full because I feel like lots of people are familiar with it but yeah I just loved I loved the idea of um simple pleasures and our world's kind of becoming necessarily smaller and being able to take pleasure in that it's really a poem about contentment again maybe that's not necessarily what everybody is feeling but yeah I really I do enjoy the 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 idea of just eating a really big orange and taking joy in that yeah is a nice idea and I ordered it from my local bookshop and well actually I ordered a random collection from a Wendy Cope collection from my bookshop and and it just so happened to be the collection that contains that poem which I just found really nice so serendipitous so yeah, we've also been reading short stories and and essays. What kind of uh, short stories have you been reading, Bridie? Well, I again, I think a lot of people have been turning to her for the reasons that this whole section exists because everyone's sort of reading the same things at the moment in our world. But I've been reading a lot of Lydia Davis. Um, I was first introduced to Lydia Davis through my friend Harriet, who wrote a dissertation on her at uni. And she gave me her dissertation to proofread. And I was just like, who is this amazing person that is for all your dissertations? She's like, it's Lydia Davis. So I bought her collection of short stories and loved it. And I've recently got her collection of essays for Christmas that I am going to dive into once I can read a fully formed book again. Um, But in her collective stories, there's one called What You Learn About the Baby. And it starts with this perfect paragraph called Idol that I think we've shared on our Instagram now, but... I think it would be really good for us to just have a quick discussion about because it seems so relevant to this time. It's like she almost knew that people would need to read something like this. She's known for her flash fiction and I've never read a writer who does flash fiction as well as Lydia Davis does at all. Here's a quote from the story, What You Learn About the Baby. You learn how to be idle, how to do nothing. That is a new thing in your life, to do nothing. Do nothing and not be impatient about doing nothing. I am extremely impatient about doing nothing. I cannot tell you how many times I've, I've literally up and down emotions. It's like, if I'm not occupied, I have no idea what I'm doing myself. Thank God I work on a platform called Dear Damsels. Otherwise, I have no idea what I'm doing my time. Um, I'm finding it really hard to accept a slower pace of life. I'm finding it quite difficult because I'm quite a busy person. Um, and this, when I read this, I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is, this is what I need to do. Like, I need to stop being impatient. There's nothing to be impatient about. This whole scenario requires patience. I really need to learn, again, how to be idle. So that sort of, again, leads back to the quote that we start the episode with, you know, I need to learn to lean into my solitude. Hopefully, I'll be able to listen to Lydia and be able to not try and fill my time with endless tasks that don't need to happen. Like, descaling the castle. Like, what is the purpose of that? Why do I need to do that? You don't, Bridie. Just sit down, for the love of God. Ugh. 
Delicious. Yeah, there's been a lot of strange tasks going on in this house as well <laughs> of things things we can do, things that need doing. But the idea of things that need doing is, is all relative, isn't it? But yes, I agree, really like that idea. And it reminded me the idea of learning how to be idle of a conversation we had a few months ago about, I mean, it was about kind of... <laughs> doing less with dear damsels or do or finding balance with dear damsels really because I think I mean yes you definitely you're so efficient and you are amazing at getting so much done in a small amount of time but I think we're both and then I think I fill endless amounts of time with tasks by being slow and inefficient like but I think the <laughs> the end result is that we both spend what some might describe as too much time on dear damsels but like yeah so we talked about the idea which I think also was prompted by a newsletter um an Emma Gannon newsletter which is a good read uh where she and she talked about she posed the question of who are you without the doing which is a really good question and that idea of like when you're who are you if you're not filling your time with like yeah. what who are you when you're not ticking stuff off and like finding things to do and making yeah. sure your calendar is full I read an essay by Tahima Begum recently called the beauty of sitting still it's in a collection called comfort zones that I just picked off my shelf recently so she's talking about a really similar thing and she's coming from the perspective She's coming from the perspective of levelling the expectations of immigrant parents who've made sacrifices to build a better life with um, the need to carve out time of your own and like not feeling guilty for not doing enough. So a similar idea, but from a different perspective. And like, so she talks about, um, she talks about the problem of uh, chasing the next big thing on your to-do list. The problem with that is that you don't get to know who you are when you stay still. She says, who are you without the stress? What does your day look like when your mind is not running from one task to another? So, yeah, like a really similar idea of just like stripping stuff away yeah. and um, not filling your mind and filling your time and filling your space with like all this stuff you need to do. And this was, you know, obviously published a long time ago, but that idea of the beauty of sitting still and like just sitting with yourself, there's something we can take from that even if you know there's a lot of other stuff we also need to deal with at the same time it's something we can take away yeah yeah I think there's definitely like the idea of not seeing this time as necessary something that we have to occupy and to like hustle with like I, I've seen a lot of tweets about this subject you know about using this time like as soon as I went on furlough my mum was like write that book I'm like mum that is not <laughs> something that's gonna happen in this period of time but the idea of you're not trying to work you're not just working from home like you're trying to work from home through a pandemic I think was the tweet so finding another way to be comfortable with the situation that you found yourself in you know what you say about the beauty of sitting still and not feeling like yeah like oh I've done seven things today I can sit down it's like no you can sit down mm. and you have to be okay with sitting down because that's all you're gonna do for a long time so you need to understand like find find peace with that and you know find the moments in that that you can enjoy regardless of it feeling like a celebrate or like a reward for something that you've done oh you've put that so well because that is yeah exactly what I was thinking of to be very honest when I feel most relaxed is after I've like worked really hard yeah. and like finally finished something and send it off and then I'm like yeah. I'm gonna lie in I'm gonna have such a nice day and like it does feel good but yeah that idea is like you can feel that good without having done all the hard work yeah <laughs> like, oh, it's in your <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah see yeah big topics this episode yeah but so I found that essay really interesting um good for you if you're listening to this podcast thinking like get over yourself it's really easy to just just chill out mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe some people are fine um or like not fine are finding it easier to to relax I mean am I thinking about my boyfriend maybe I am <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but yeah, it made me think about, again, like introverts and extroverts. And I do worry about extroverts and how they're coping with this because I am happy to spend lots of time on my own. And there's other people who are not going to be doing that as well. So like if you're not finding that reading is something you're finding good thing that you can do right now if you're even short stories are kind of just you're finding your mind wandering we do have other things that we have on our list things that we've been enjoying during this time yeah um, well also <laughs> I just wanted to say uh, when we're recording this it's my friend Becky's birthday so happy birthday Becky but I mentioned this to her today and she said that what she's been doing is she has been looking at restaurant menus and planning what she will eat when she goes to them again yeah. <laughs> and I was like wow that is she's like I've been wasting hours looking at like Morrow's menu and deciding what I eat in six months I was like I love that I love that commitment to your enjoyment Becky but aside from food one thing that I really want to mention which I'm sure loads of you know about is the podcast how to fail with Elizabeth Day and it's always brilliant we've definitely mentioned it before but in this time she's brought out some really special episodes with previous guests and they address the anxieties vulnerabilities and emotions all related to this global pandemic And I found it a really amazing and perfect antidote to the endless news streams and Twitter and fear-mongering media and all the stats. Like, listening to these episodes has really given me a sense of solace, which is definitely needed in this time. There's been two so far um, when we're recording. There might be a third today, but I haven't checked my podcast app. Um, There was one with Mo Gauda and one with Alain de Botton. But the one I want to particularly shout out is Mo Gauda's one. His previous episode of this podcast is impeccable. In this one, he talks about the idea of committed acceptance, and that's the idea of accepting a situation, and then within that acceptance, noting what you can do to make the situation better. So, for example, putting myself in this situation, I can't leave the house regularly, but what I can do is I can walk to parts of London that are usually crowded and see them in a different way. I'm quite lucky. I live in Zone 2, South London, so I've been able to walk into Westminster and see it empty. Watched Trafalgar Square the other day, completely empty, like something I truly would barely ever see in my regular life. I've been able to witness now, which is quite special. Another thing that I have been struggling with is I can't pop to the shops, can't can't just go casually down the road to Tesco or to Lidl um, but what I can do is try and be inventive with the things in my cupboard so I had a mini breakdown about this at the beginning of the pandemic when I had to try and make a meal with a can of mixed bean salad and I just sobbed because I just couldn't work out what to do with it and now much more chill much more used to looking in the cupboard being like I can cook with these things it's all fine so that sort of idea of committed acceptance, you know, yeah, you can accept what's happening, but also you can address the anxieties within that and slowly take them forward and try and make them better for yourself, I think is a definite important thing to think about in this time. Oh, that's so true. And just going back to your being able to walk around London in a way you wouldn't be able to before, something I was able to do was watch Paddington and um, <laughs> really enjoy the scenes of London <laughs> through Paddington. Oh, I do miss London. I know. But yeah, I love that original episode with Mo Gowda. That's the one where he talks about the idea that you're separate to your thoughts. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's... Yeah, I remember that really well. Yeah. It's such a simple idea, but like very empowering. 
I don't have any good podcast to recommend. I've just been watching loads of TV <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, watching Paddington. Well, was watching Chernobyl, but then it was too sad, so we watched Paddington oh, instead. A good, a good switch. I'm proud of you for that. If anybody is looking for something to keep them busy, something to concentrate on right now, we have our next theme open for submissions, and the theme we decided on is connection. So this is our summer theme that will be going live in June and July, and. I believe it closes on May the 17th is a subject that we feel is an important one right now and in our letter we talked about how we're relearning to be by ourselves but being apart doesn't mean we're alone Bridie's beautiful words ah, those God. and wow. um yeah and I'm looking really really looking forward to seeing what everybody kind of sends in on that theme because yeah I think we're all finding how important it is right now Thank you for listening to Her Own Words. You can read all the pieces that we've mentioned on our website, www.deardamsels.com. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dear Damsels. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to share it far and wide and perhaps even subscribe, review, and rate it. Something I forgot to say earlier in this podcast is happy birthday to Bridie, <laughs> whose birthday is coming up soon. Happy birthday, Bridie. But apart from that, that's it for now. Thank you very much for listening. Bye, Bridie. Uh, bye, Abs. <laughs>